so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. This is a podcast with Celeste and Ina, where we talk with educators, organizers, students, parents, and all stakeholders in the education of our young people. We're here to push ourselves to take theories and put them into practice in our classrooms, even and especially when it gets messy. Also, we're full-time educators, not professional podcasters. We're recording these conversations during the socially distanced pandemic, often on weeknights and from our respective homes. So expect background noise and fatigue and real unpolished human complexities showing up in these conversations. We're here to transform ourselves and our listeners through dialogues, So come along for the ride with us. Nina and Celeste are back for season two. In this episode, we talk about where we've been, where we're at now, and what we need from this season to sustain ourselves as teachers in unprecedented times. We'll talk about what we've chosen as the theme of this season and why. Take a listen. Uh, hi, Celeste. How are you? Yeah, let's start there. How are we? <laughs> How are we? <laughs> well, for me, I, I would say I, um, I've been in like survival mode, right? Trying to navigate uh, being in the school in person with full classes, so... That's been pretty interesting um, thing to be doing. Um, but I would say uh, over the, you know, this is, you know, the end of the quarter now. And so we, the students and I have been together for about 10 weeks. And I feel like we're we're at the point now where they have, you know, expectations for themselves. And um, I have expectations of them. And now we we're negotiating <laughs> what what class should kind of look like for for us going forward. So um, that's yeah. that's where I feel like I'm at, and hopefully, um, you know, I can see some. You know, we can see some uh, some growth uh, from both sides. From me being able to not freak out from the COVID emails. And have mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety when I have to um, teach uh, remote students that are quarantined and, and also teach 30 other kids that are inside the classroom at the same time. So yes. uh, I just got one, another one um, next week that I'll have to uh, do remote. Um, and just that the anxiety of just knowing that... Um, students are in class um and then the next day they could be in quarantine um because of being exposed or being positive uh for covid it's like kind of scary um because again the vaccines they don't prevent you from getting it um so you know you can still you can still get it so that's kind of like alarming um yeah totally yeah so that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm grateful you brought all that up. Also, yes, at the time of this recording, we are at the end of quarter one, and we've been with our students for about 10 weeks. Um, and I I feel like uh, it, it feels like everyone's just trying to operate uh, and, like, function at some level of 
like weird normalcy um, as much as possible in our school systems. Uh, and at the same time, it's like, it's, if it feels like there are so many red flags <laughs> around like safety and risks um, that at some point you can't even take them all in, you know, you just got to like accept that this is a very, uh, yeah, it's a very strange and risky situation. And this is our situation now. Like, <laughs> so, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm grateful we're teaching in a district where at least like masks are mandated. I've seen like, you know, different teacher groups that I've been part of where people will post photos of their classroom and students don't have masks on. And it's shocking to me, but there's places in the country where that's a normal as well, you know? So I'm grateful we used to at least have some safety mechanisms in place, but, um, but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird time, uh, in, in teaching. Cause you, I want so badly for my students to be able to like have, um, some sense of ease and some sense of calm. And at the same time, I don't want any of us to lose track of the fact that we have to keep each other safe right now. Um, and that it's, there's a lot of, factors that are very unsafe in our environment so so yeah uh it's a um yeah it's a, a it, we, we were talking a little bit before this that like it's a very stressful time and like we have to be very mindful as teachers about like what stress we're going to shoulder and take on and internalize and what stress we really have to understand is like not in our control this, at this moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, um, I yeah. Cause I just see myself now. I, I don't even tell kids like put your mask on properly. I'm like motioning with my, my finger now. So I'm like, oh. yes. <laughs> but, yes. you know, I'm not even saying it anymore. It's just so yeah. funny. I'm like, now like I'm like, I'm like, you put your mask over your nose. You know, so it's like, to the, yeah. even in the halls now, it's like, I'm not even like verbally saying it. I'm like looking at the kid and they look at me, we make eye contact and I'll be like, <laughs> with my, finger, my hand uh-huh. and put, put your mask on. Um, right. And so I just, it's just so crazy to have to have those conversations. And then at the same time, be like, okay, kids, it's time to learn this chemistry, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it, yeah. and you know I know that they're alarmed, and every time like another kid is missing from class, you could kind of tell that the kids are worried, um, yeah. and they're they're trying to not be over worried, but I, I swear that they are like on it with this sanitizing. <laughs> they come in and they'll be like, "Did you wipe the table off yet?" You know, and so they're like on it. Like, they're like, we're going to wipe this table off. We're going to make sure we're safe. They're using a hand sanitizer. They're like on it. So it's like in their minds to do it. And I told them that we we have to do it. Like, it's we we have to like we cannot let let up. You know, and they and they and I feel like they're they it's seamless now. Like, I don't even have to say it. They're holding each other accountable. Yeah, they're holding each other accountable for it. And I think that that's really good. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited about that, that they're, like, kind of really uh, taking that on. And that eases me. Yeah, that eases my worry a little bit that they are taking it serious because we have to do that as well as the chemistry safety too, right? So we're working with equipment and things of that nature, lab, lab apron safety goggles, you know, just... Them also thinking about that safety level too um, when we're doing chemistry. So it's it's a it's an interesting uh, dynamic. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How how is your so like I think another factor in that's not specific to teaching, but like it's definitely felt this year in the profession is fatigue. Like how does that how you feeling in terms of like energy and fatigue these days? Oh, I am really tired, like exhausted and wearing the mask and talking to like thirty kids. Like, you know, once you like give that you know, overview of the lesson, and then you put the groups to work, you know, they start working on things, and then some kids may have questions, students may have questions, so then you're going, you know, from table to table, but now you're doing that with the mask on, and talking through the mask, and um, and having to do that has been interesting, and uh, it's probably all psychological, too. <laughs> So, but um, it's I am very tired. Like uh, most yeah. most days, more tired than I've ever been, because um, yeah. I feel like just all of the stuff, like worrying about everything, like the worry of you getting me getting COVID, um, my students getting it, their parents getting it, people getting it, just everybody getting it, you know, and just that worry, and then just me like trying to maintain that, you know teach but not like make it like like a real like a heavy situation for students just all of that monitoring of this and that there's so many things to monitor that we already were yeah. already monitoring i think the exhaustion comes from from that all of that having to navigate all the other layers of stuff and then you in the middle of class you get an email about something you know just it's just a lot of things to be worried about that that yeah. causes a lot of the fatigue um, and I just, I don't know. So that's kind of how I feel. What, what about you? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, uh, I had to take two sick days last week because I like just felt terrible and I really do like, it, it wasn't a, uh, a COVID situation. It was, um, like I was exhausted, like physically exhausted and had to, um, I had to take two days to mostly sleep and eat and just like not be constantly, um, running around. And like you're saying, like monitoring so much, like that's a, like a mental load mm-hmm. that is really exhausting. And, um, you know, like I, I feel like I got accustomed to the mental load of teaching, uh, you know, the, this the, the courses that we teach and then the students that we have to know well to be able to teach them like you know in ways that are relevant for them all of that like the all of the things that we monitor as educators no matter what but like you're saying that extra layer of um of like (laughs) covid elements to monitor it's just it really has worn me out much sooner um than usual and uh i've heard from a lot of teachers that this is like this level of fatigue that we're teaching that we're feeling now is like what is typical in April mm-hmm. and like because <laughs> mm-hmm. I also took a right day now off. it's November right now it's mm-hmm. early November as we talk so like what <laughs> how are we gonna do this so like I think building in so okay so then I don't know if you had another comment that you wanted to give about like an update but I also want to like pivot toward like what what we need you know like because these are all of our feelings um and uh we have this space um, for the to to build something different to like kind of explore different things for ourselves as educators and encourage others to do so and do you have anything else that you want to add about like where we're at right now yeah I, I think too where I did take a day off too 
Um, and I really, really take days off. So right. I, I was yeah. like, I'm taking a day off. You know, and so I think that, you know, it is real. Um, and it's just not normal to teach and act as though everything is back to normal. It's just because it's, it's right. not. It's it's huge. And um, it, it's it's a lot to undertake. Yeah. Um, but I'll do I would rather push through this than to teach remotely ever again. Like I, I can't, <laughs> I cannot teach science, chemistry. I, I know science remotely. I, I just can't. Um, that's, I, I just can't do it. So I'm willing to yeah. see this through because I, I definitely couldn't uh, be an online teacher because um, <laughs> that's just not my strong suit um, or right, something that I want right. to deal with. Um, yeah. I, I need to be in the lab. I, I can't. I can't teach science like this. So I know that um, being inside the classroom with students, if it's possible, um, and I just have to figure out how to manage anxiety and fatigue and and uh, student worries and parents' concerns, I, I would rather navigate that in, instead of going back to um, remote or online learning. So that's that's right. what that's how I feel at this point. So. Yeah, 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 that's totally fair. I know. Yeah, I think I think one of the things when we did go back into the classroom as alarming as it is like every day, it also was like, oh, I do know how to teach like, (laughs) you know, like I, I thought like when we were remote learning, like I am an awful educator, like there was just so many things that I couldn't do well. And now that we're back, I'm like, oh, I, I do know how to do these things. And I can I can educate young people in this content area. Um, So I totally feel you it's it's preferable to to online learning and like of course we want everyone to be as safe as possible oh what a time what a time to be an educator <laughs> yes 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 it's a it's something it's something so yeah, yeah. but we're, we're pushing yeah. through and uh i think that um if we think about the need the needs what we need to continue uh doing this work i would say for me is um just supports around um, really trying to keep pushing to have, you know, um, to talk about uh, racism and microaggressions and, um, and, and, and science and to keep transforming, you know, my units to like make sure that I make them uh, relevant to my students. I think that, you know, what I need is just the continued support of uh, my colleagues uh, that I teach with, and um, and people are at different uh, levels of this, you know, um, and and comfort levels, right, to talk about race in the classroom and racism, and so just the willingness of, you know, um, my colleagues to be able to keep pushing uh, to do it, and me too, and holding ourselves accountable about it. Um, and then also being able to be um, in conversations with other people uh, around this work, too, and not losing sight of, of the other uh, racial reckoning that was happening, too, uh, during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, I think that yeah. the need to keep pushing for teachers to really examine uh, their units and lessons to um also continue that work and not like let that go away and and into the you know away and and say that you know the the uh covid pandemic is 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 
more you know of a precedence it is but we also need to attend to uh, the racial reckoning still so I think that that's like what I'm still pushing and sometimes yeah. like right now I feel like people uh it's easier to be like you know let's really just focus on safety and not like really transforming our units uh right now or how we teach and how we create classroom culture so I feel like it's it's a little quieter that that conversation mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just I'm I'm continuing the push to try to push that conversation and even push myself because I feel like I, it it often is quieted and and then I I lose sight of it too and then I just fall back into the normalcy of teaching science and not think about how race mm-hmm. how race and racism are an intricate part of teaching and learning and just, you know, in part of science too. So it's like I'm pushing myself to keep it at the forefront, like of my mind and in my units and with my teaching. So Right, right. Yeah. Um yeah, and I'm hoping in this season we can we can push ourselves to center that work. Um and if it if it has fallen uh if it has fallen away from the center of a lot of our institutional conversations that at least in this space, we can bring it back and center it. Like I think, cause you know, yes, there's been a lot of, um, a lot more focus on COVID, uh, than what you were calling the racial reckoning that happened during the pandemic as well. And that's still happening. Um, and COVID is racist. Like, <laughs> right, COVID right. Itself is racist. This is right. also like yes. hitting different communities differently. And like the schools that are having to quarantine and shut down, the schools that are where most students are, um, you know, not able to be physically in class, like those are also happening along like racial, ethnic, and class lines. Like, that's so there's making sure that we're not um, like kind of equalizing or leveling uh, everyone's experience with this pandemic because like yes like it's not useful to compare like everyone's experienced different kinds of tragedy in the past couple years Um, and like statistically COVID as as many like um, uh, uh, you know medical phenomena are is racist like it happens and delivering care is racist like these being able to access care is racist so I think making sure that we're we're constantly reframing that way too um, and not not making it seem like that's not an element in our in our culture in our society Um, but like like that thing about um, making sure that I appreciate your your work to continue to to push those conversations even if you feel like there's not a lot of folks with you um at this point like it's not it's not the thing to be doing like I feel like last year everyone was like oh let's do equity work like this is so important and like black lives matter Mm -hmm. and, and the the conversations ebb and flow right and if this is a moment where it's kind of taking a back seat I appreciate your work to make sure that that doesn't happen and I think like for me one of the things that I need from this season is like uh to, to remember how humanizing education can be um, and how important it is to humanize ourselves and our students in, in the project of education. And part of humanizing ourselves is addressing uh, these 
systems of oppression that we've internalized and that we reproduce and making sure that we are more cognizant and aware of the kinds of relationships that are possible when we when we address those openly with each other, when we're honest with each other, when we have lessons that um, that build inquiry around like what else is possible, you know. Um, uh, so I think it's it's part of it's part of healing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and humanizing ourselves like we I just I feel like these past couple of years have been so dehumanizing for so many of us um, that uh, it's it's hard to just be thrown back into the classroom and go through the rhythms and kind of be mechanical about it because at some point we're we're guarded as well like I feel guarded I feel like less able to be um, creative because I'm scared too you know and so just remembering like what is it in this context in this moment. I guess exploring what does it look like to also do work that's humanizing, that's yeah. challenging us to transform, um, which is what we want, mm-hmm. uh, but that's like also humanizing and healing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too the other piece of this is now you got twenty eight states saying you know yes. that um, teachers uh, shouldn't teach critical race theory. Um, which is really wild because uh, I don't think any uh, teacher was really teaching critical race theory. Uh, or could define it. Really. It's like yeah, a, yeah. Legal, it came out of like legal scholars. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's and just the way that it's just another way to use linguistic oppression to kind of like mm-hmm. silence um, social justice work, race and racism yeah. work, and yeah. just the dismantling of, of the systems of oppression that have have been in place uh, since this country yes. was founded. And so I think that, that that whole conversation too, and and just the thought of being in a state that if you talk about racism, uh, that you could be, be fired, right? Or right. let go is really something, right? right? So it's, it's like, really scary. It, yeah. it is, it's really something to be thinking about. And so um, we're kind of um, lucky to be in Chicago where, um, we 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 aren't uh, kind of underneath that uh, umbrella of um, the pushback like that. Uh, not right. to say that Chicago isn't really segregated by race. It's really segregated by yes. race, yes. and and I'm sure some schools are experiencing different things. But um, at uh, my school, um, it's, I, I feel comfortable being able to engage my students in those conversations. And to even, uh, I showed my students a microaggressions video uh, that was really good. And some of my students were like, I didn't even realize that that was like what I was doing to other students um, when I was saying those things. And it's something that people say all the time. And um, I didn't realize saying that is is like a microaggression uh, for another student. And I was really happy to have see some of the conversations and kind of thoughts that they had about it. And and then we kind of created our class expectations around it. And, and one student, uh, it was a black male, he said, you know, um, no one should be referring to COVID as an Asian illness or from China or from something like that. Yeah. And I thought that that was really good that you know, yeah. instead of him taking that time to say something about 
his uh, lived experiences as a black male in education spaces, he chose to speak up for someone else. And so I thought that that was really good, uh, that they are all like kind of really thinking about how to like engage each other and to not um, use racial racial slurs and things of that nature during yes. class and just being yes. really cognizant of like how they're communicating with each other since they're working in groups and and then most of the time, you know, in science classes, they have you sitting in the table, you always sitting with four or five people. And so you have to have a way that you can communicate and work with them in a in a humanizing way. So I think that yeah. um, just doing that kind of stuff and having them kind of look at themselves and really kind of take stock in how they talk as even teenagers to each other can be something, you know, that that's offensive. And that maybe they can kind of address it. So I think that that's that's good, you know, that, you know, something like that, that, you know, just keep keeping the conversation going with you and your students, you know, is something that we can do to keep that racial reckoning going like in in, in educational spaces. So I think that that's definitely something. So, yeah, maybe if you still have a sense of where that video is, (laughs) maybe we could put it in our show notes for this little intro or uh, intro episode to season two. And oh, yeah, yeah, I have it with their students. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So we'll we'll put those in our show notes. Um, The other thing that I I wanted to bring into the conversation, too, which is I think so like, um, yeah, like I think how to facilitate healing um, and, and humanization for us and our students uh, mindful of and like centering these systems of oppression that we we have to work to undo and like transform. And uh, I think something else that you and I have talked about a little bit in pre- preparation for season two is like, what is, <laughs> it's like almost hard to say this word, but like, what is the role of joy right now in our work? Um, and where where does it where do we get to feel that? And where do our students get to feel that? What does it look like to to do this work that's like death, deadly serious um, and also build space for joy and, and amidst the healing? Like, I think that's, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's, I have no answers to that and like lots of questions about like the, yeah, the role of joy. And I think it's something that I'm I'm getting the sense that we all we all need joy, you know, in one form or another um, in this moment. Uh, yeah. So what does that look like for us? I think that's something I'd like to kind of explore with our guests this season and in our conversations. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts about joy, Nina? <laughs> yeah, I think that um, we, we, we all have experienced moments of joy, but I think yes. that since it's such a tough time that we kind of like put those to the side and don't acknowledge it. Um, but I think that we, we, we need to start acknowledging it and and being proud of it, um, and what we're doing and what we're working with. Um, and so I I think that as teachers, we just have to like, don't put aside the moments of joy. Don't put aside the moments of healing, um, that you're doing. Right. So I feel like it's a moment of healing for me to, uh, foreground, Black uh, scientists, indigenous scientists, women scientists, Latinx scientists, uh, Asian scientists, like in in my lessons, right? Really in my lessons and not just, a, well, so-and-so did this and, and now we're going right. to learn more about this. <laughs> you know? right. And so right, right, right. really like integrating it there. And so I, I think that um, I, um, 
I, I found kind of joy and, you know, I, I, I had like some strips at the beginning of the year with quotes from Percy Julian, Marie Curie, Mario Molina, Charles Drew. You know, I had quotes from them and I had that was like one of my um, introduction icebreaker type things with students. They had to like talk about what those quotes meant to them. And then I also have been working. I've been saying it for years how I am going to shift away from talking about um, white male scientists all the time and really shift mm. to um, like talk about other scientists um, foreground them. Oof. And so I did get a lot of information about Charles Drew uh, and his work um, with density and starting the blood banks. And I felt I found joy in that moment. And I've been sharing that joy with mm-hmm. with everybody. <laughs> So, so I think that yeah. it's like up to us, like to not just like me to keep it to myself and be like, look at this. This is what Charles Drew did. You know, I, I, I've i been sharing. I told my mother this morning about it and she was like, I didn't know that. And I'm 70 years old and I I never oh, even man. heard about him before. Like and he did that and he start, he helped the people in World War Two. You know, so just even talking to my mother and, you know, my students uh, about it and just really digging into his work instead of talking about and centering, you know, Archimedes, right? This other scientist from what, 200 BC or something, yeah, yeah. you know, just trying to like bring up, you know, that work um, and like really dissecting Charles Drew's con- contribution, right? To the blood banks in the U.S. and starting, you know, the blood mobiles and stuff in, ni- in the 1940s. And and making and like you said, why should the students learn about density? Why why should it? Why is this something that they should learn about? Not just to be able to calculate these formulas and do all this stuff, but they need to understand that people really use these things to tra- change the world, right? Transform communities, um, even during highly segregated times in the U.S. That um, they still push through and to create these things. And I see that that's where the healing comes for me, because I have been learning about, you know, the contributions of women and, and, and all these, you know, other groups in science and trying to shift away from centering, you know, white males and find finding that joy and, and centering the work of uh, people like Charles Drew, Percy Julian, and Marie Curie. And I think that that's something to be thinking about personally. Like, can I personally find joy that I can then share with other people, right? And healing, how am I healing myself from being a traditionally trained scientist and learning about all of these people that um, that don't look like me? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, and so I think that that's kind of like what I'm looking for too. How are people like, and you know, in season two, how do the guests that we interview, how did they um, center, you know, healing and joy in the work that they yeah. do? Because like I said, a lot of teachers, you may, you may have had some moments of joy, right? Um, in your 10 weeks of teaching, but you might Absolutely, not foreground yeah. them. Did you, do you feel like, um, how I'm thinking about it now, do you feel like now, just thinking back to the 10 weeks, do you feel like you've had some moments of healing and joy, like in your, in your teaching? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, yeah, that's a, it's a helpful kind of reframe, um, uh, to just 
take stock to look back and take stock because I I do think I I sometimes get wrapped up in how bombarded I feel and like overwhelmed I feel with just like the work that has to be done and the place that we're at right now and like you're totally right there's there's been like really magical moments that um, are possible because of the students in the room the like conversations taking place the like creativity and imagination that's required in my classroom and also like you're saying the expansion of our horizons where like students are learning things that they're like oh like there's like those aha moments and and there is so much joy like there's you know the purpose behind I think for a lot of us educators are those aha moments where you see something like really transform in students and like um yeah that 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 stuff has happened and I think it would be useful for us um I so like two things one I love the emphasis that you have on like the sharing um because I think sometimes with us teachers we'll be in our classrooms, we'll be with our students, we'll do our things, we'll like, you know, go to our staff meetings, but like how much of it are we sharing out um, uh, with each other and like, you know, kind of, um, sometimes it can feel really atomizing to be doing, I don't know if I'm using that word right, (laughs) to be doing this work, like, like I teach in my classroom, that's my domain, like you teach in your classroom, that's what you do, but like really being intentional about like sharing these opportunities for joy with our colleagues and in a more systematic way. And you and I have this platform with this podcast to make sure that we're sharing those moments of joy too. And then also defining like what joy is. Cause like, you know, right now we might not be able to be safely at like a giant dance party with like all of our closest friends and loved ones, you know, like things like that, that are maybe not accessible to us. And like, what, what can joy look like in this moment um, of teaching? Because I think we all, we all need that and maybe need that narrative to be a little louder for ourselves. Um, uh, Yeah. To, to, to be able to sustain this work. Um, Mm -hmm. This like, it's (laughs) this like sometimes life and death work of, (laughs) of um, addressing like uh, really painful histories and transforming them together and um, doing it through like, you know, risk-taking in education um, that, that requires sustenance. And I think joy has a role to play. So, so I'm hopeful in this season too, like you said, to, to talk to guests about healing and joy and also ask people to define like, what does joy look like, feel like, sound like for you um, in, in schools, in your classroom. So this makes me excited for this season. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I need yes, it. Yes. I need yes, it. Dana. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think we all experience it, but a lot of times, you know, just school and the meetings and the expectations oh, yeah. from admin or the CPS, you know, it just kind of sometimes it'll, it may hamper your your willingness to share that, right? And then yeah. for me being a black uh, educator, sometimes I think I minimalize some of the stuff that I that I think about in in in, in terms of my own creativity. Where um, I, I my friend, she was like, "You don't don't minimize it, Nina. This is really good. What you're what you're thinking about and how you're you know positioning this." And so I, I think that it's also, you know, something that, you know, black educators, um, Latinx, Asian, you know, um, indigenous educators have to like kind of wrestle with, like, do you share those moments with people 
of, of aha moments that you have with your students and, and how you did that and how are you going to be received uh, by, by other educators? And, um, and then, you know, yeah, I do have moments in my class where it's not the optimum situation, um, but uh, I, I think I've shared enough of that with other people, and I, I feel like I can shift to sharing the good mm. moments too, right? Yeah. Uh, where yeah, yeah, things yeah. do work, and it, that that idea for the lesson does work and does help me to transform how I teach science, and and you know, on the west side of Chicago. And so I think that that's what we have to start thinking about and not just that, you know, deficit thinking of, oh, the kids can't do this. They can't do that. But then, OK, yes, you feel like that. But let's let's think about other ways that we can kind of um, engage students. And um, and like I said, I, I probably spent, you know, a lot of time focusing on the things, the, the bad ideas. Right. Or the things that didn't work. But what about the things that did work? And so I think that that's, you know, uh, since I wasn't able to teach in the class as much last year, I think that's what I'm thinking about, too. The joy in that, those little bitty, tiny, tiny moments where you hear your yeah. students, where you hear your students saying, you know, things and they and you know that they have learned something. Right. Um, and that they're able mm-hmm. to help their classmates because you couldn't yeah. really do that online. You couldn't, you couldn't, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't hear or see those moments as much online. Yes. Right. Cause unless you dare to do the breakout rooms, right. Uh, and then sometimes that didn't work either, but just to be right. in person and hear those moments where yeah, you're sitting and they're talking about things. Uh, they're not just talking about the lesson, of course. Right. So they're talking about different stuff. And I told them it's okay to talk about other things, but then you do have a goal. Right? And what's your goal for the lesson today? Like, just make sure you accomplish that. Because I do know that y'all need time to like even socialize with each other and get used and yeah. get used to being with each other again in in an yeah. education space. And so I think that it's just you know as teachers we just got to keep you know pushing ourselves to see. You know how education looks over. T- you know it's just keep, it's going to keep transforming, right? Because we're going to keep learning new stuff and learning new ways to do it. So I feel like it's it's gonna it's something that we have to like step back and and start making some good observations of it and saying that you know even if it's a tiny tiny moment of joy, a tiny tiny moment of healing, let's make that something that we foreground uh, in yeah. in our work. So that we can't yes, hold yes. on, right? Because this is, you know, <laughs> it is a very trying time. So it's not like yeah. it's easy. So um, that's what yeah. I'm thinking about um, for this season to listen in and, and see what what the guests will have to say about stuff like that and even new ideas that they may give yeah. us to, like, try to do. And then we're also going to yeah. talk about, you know, our, you know, what we've, do, do you feel like you've done anything from season one? Uh just to get kind of like go back to season one for a second. Mm. Do you feel like this <laughs> in this new in this new um, school year? Like, have you brought anything like what you were doing in season one? I mean, I th- I think the thing about one of the things that when we talked with okay, so two things. One, like, I think this is going to be a, a point of tension for me this year because. Um, it feels like it's taking everything in my person to to just do what I'm already doing. And so I know in last season, we did a lot to try to implement new things and like experiment in our classrooms. And this year, I think 
I, I mean, of course I want to do that and we're always doing that, but, um, I'm going to have to be mindful of, of how many things I'm actually going to be capable of doing each, each time, you know, um, because it's just, a it's a hard time to feel like a, like even a mediocre educator, <laughs> much less like, oh, look, I'm doing all these awesome experiments and like all these new things. One of the things I will say that I have kept from last season is the, um, collective agreements piece and, um, and asking students to check in on them regularly. Uh, so we, I've referred to them multiple times throughout the lessons, like, this is why we're doing it this way. Like you guys said you wanted this for this space. And so like, let's try to, let's try to show up with that today as much as we can and then check in if we're doing it. Um, and yeah, so that, that piece has felt like it still is very accessible to me. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, other pieces like with Corey when we were trying to be alongside, like I, I do try to do inquiry alongside. I do try to make it so that if we're, if and when we're doing inquiry-based lessons, I don't have the answers. We're asking questions and we're trying to figure them out together. Um, and I might be the expert in like the Spanish language in the room and I can do it in Spanish, but I don't know like, you know, what's right or wrong and I'm going to ask questions with you. So things like that, I think are still showing up in my classroom and I was I feel like I've tried to internalize those so they become more natural. Um, and I'm nervous to see how much more I, ca- I, I will be capable of trying this year, you know, and experimenting with. So, yeah. <laughs> so just a, just a caveat for this season. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, about you? I, I think that for me, I, I want to do the cold gen again. I haven't started it yet. Yeah. Um, because uh, I like I said, I've been a bit overwhelmed. Um, I've I've really been focusing on like the black science stuff, trying to like make sure I do that because I always put it to the side. So I was like, this year I'm not gonna do that. And then I I I um I have been kind of doing the learning pods a little bit, um okay. where the students I'm really asking them to like think about their level of participation in their group and just working with them and learning with them and just reflecting on that their own learning um i think that that that's been something that i've been having them kind of talk about with each other um individually reflecting on their learning and then as a group like are they learning from each other uh too and so then just building the um, group culture, too, by we did a Lego challenge. It was pretty exciting. Uh, and, and so we did that. And then we did. And then uh, the, I asked them what did they want to do for fun with, you know, with their groups or whatever. And they said they wanted to play Uno. So we got some Uno cards, you know, enough That's for sweet. the kids to have. And just trying to, like, build that social dynamic where they yes. are not just talking about science, you know, in their learning pods. But they're also looking and examining how they're learning, as well as like bringing like, like a you know a social aspect to it, to where they're kind of um, you know outside of science, they're like communicating with each other about stuff, and so that's that's kind of like what I've been working on. Like I said, I I think I'm gonna try to do a cogen. I'm I'm almost nervous about doing a cogen right now. Uh, I don't know what I'll hear. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think I'm nervous a about it. Dialogue, yeah, yeah cogenerative dialogue, like from last season. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm nervous about doing one, so I think that I I've been having a lot of hesitancy hesitancy about starting it because I I would have to see them in person, and I don't know if I can handle that right now. Um, because yeah. since I'm like really trying to get kids to tell me about my instruction. 
And I think that I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for that right now. Uh, right, so I, right. I don't know. I don't know right. if I'll do that. So I've really just been trying to do the learning part thing and just making yeah. sure I foreground um, race and racism and, and my science teaching. So those are kind of the things that I've been trying yeah. to do. But, yeah, I don't know if I'll do – I don't know how much else I can do, like you said, because I think I'm already right. – um, I'm really – like hanging on by a thread. <laughs> so, right. I feel I'm you. really yep, serious. Totally. Yeah, I'm hanging on so, by a thread. I so. mean, I, th- <laughs> I feel like that's part of why for this season, I like one of my needs is like the healing or the, yeah, the healing and the joy, because I think those are things that if I can take on ways to, to incorporate those critically in our classrooms, like that feels accessible to me. That feels more accessible to me than, um, yeah, than other things that I, I genuinely will like burn out by December if I try, you know, um, I should also give a shout out to our episode with Jessica from last season, which was really helpful for me with like how to pose problems to students and make it inquiry based. Cause I think that was also something I was able to integrate, um, and, and bring into my lessons more consistently this year something I'm still learning how to do better, but all of those episodes were very transformative. Oh yeah, that's right. I think for me. Yeah, I, I um I haven't gotten to this unit yet, but I did. Um, I I am doing a problem posing uh, letter uh, in the in one of my units, the environmental racism unit. So now mm-hmm. what I've done is I kind of changed it a little bit. Where in the beginning, instead of us just watching this video about environmental racism, and it kind of focuses on Flint more. Um, I actually center it in Chicago and my uh, experiences growing up in Ogier Gardens, experiencing the toxic donut, you know, being over there in that area and how I related it to General Iron situation as well as Mm -hmm. the little village. And so then I'm posing to them in a letter to be able to, um, you know, do they feel like they're in a community that's experiencing environmental racism? And then how can mm-hmm. we kind of look at that um, and, instead of us just starting it with this video from another state, um, just kind of centering on, on the experiences in Chicago neighborhoods and stuff. Right. Since we have a lot of toxic stuff happening, <laughs> we're like, we're like the, you know, the center of like super fun sites and things of that nature because of, of, of um, the experiences that people are having with environmental racism in Chicago. And so I, I, um, that's, I did do that when you said the problem posing, I thought about that. I was yeah. like, yes. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so yes, yes, yes. So it's, we, I feel like we did do, we did do a lot last year and last season to like really experiment. And, um, it'll be interesting to see what we're capable of this, this, this time around. <laughs> yes, yes. So but, so but I encourage people to go back listen to season 1 if you haven't already. All each each and every episode brought like a different kind of um yeah, a different layer to like what we're trying to do in our classrooms and it was really beautiful and and this year like I'm just more tired. So Yeah, yeah, we are <laughs> shockingly more tired. Didn't know that was possible, for, but <laughs> for sure, for sure we're definitely more tired. So yeah. But um yeah. I still feel I still have a fire under me. Um, yeah. to keep doing this work um, and figuring out ways because, you know, I'm a teacher and I, I should be able to do some different stuff. If I can if I can um, bring in new science ideas like to do and teach myself that, I feel like I can do lessons 
and change my lessons to make them more culturally relevant because I mean I remember a time where I didn't know how to do gel electrophoresis and PCR. That was like years ago I learned about that. And now like PCR is like a word that everybody knows, uh-huh. right? Polymerase chain yeah. reaction. Everybody yeah. knows what it is, right? Uh, and so, I don't know what it stands for. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it stands for, polymerase chain reaction. And so I taught my students about that when I taught biology that's years awesome. ago. And, and, and that was new to me. I learned that I went to a professional development. Right. I learned about it. And so now I am, you know, I feel like if I could do that work, I should be able to do the same type of learning about these other scientists and foreground them instead of white males. And then also just making, looking in the Chicago experience and and trying to make sure that I'm thinking about what my students may be experiencing and giving them an opportunity to transform their communities and and, and talk to their family and friends about things that, uh, you know, that they're learning in science. I feel like it's, it's, it's definitely something that's doable. Um, And I feel like as a, you know, a veteran teacher that, If I can do all this science stuff and learn it and teach my students about it, all this brand new technology stuff, then I should be able to do the same thing, (laughs) you know, being culturally relevant, you know, and transforming my teaching. I I feel like I I have to be able to do that, too. So. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. This this, uh, doing this work with you helps keep that fire under my butt, too. And it gives me actually like a lot of energy to to process these things and know like we're not alone you know and we we got to have each other's backs and support each other in in learning how to do better so um i'm excited for that for this season and also just to try to figure out what it means to heal and have joy and like do transformative uh, hopefully radical work with our students um and to to push ourselves to change too um but yeah i'm excited for season two man all right season two Here we go. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Pushing Praxis Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. And thank you, Miles Kamiski, music educator and artist extraordinaire, for our theme music. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we encourage you to like and share this content with your community. Follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email us at pushingpraxis at gmail.com. Check out our website at pushingpraxis.org.